Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who since 1981. I've been watching Doctor Who since 1975. In 1985, I had the craziest idea. I started a Doctor Who store and called it Bundles from Britain. And that store was a success. We are mentioned in the book Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America, written by some wonderful friends of mine, including Stephen Warren Hill, the late Jennifer Adams Kelly, Nick Seidler, and Robert Warnock. Please buy this book. It is published by ATB Publishing. And Bundles from Britain lives on page 384. Don't forget, this November at Thanksgiving weekend in Lombard, Illinois, at the wonderful Westin Hotel, the 20th anniversary of Chicago TARDIS, the largest Doctor Who event in North America. Uh, so far, the guests have been announced. The biggest one is Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor. So come say hello. I will probably be at several panels. I usually am a panelist at uh, several sessions. I did one on collecting last year. I'm hoping to repeat that this year. Another podcast I want to give a shout out to is the Target Book Club podcast hosted by my good friend Tony Witt, which is also available on iTunes. And I will be a guest on two upcoming episodes when they talk about The Mind of Evil and Day of the Daleks. And our theme song is Who's Doctor Who by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines, who played Jamie McCrimmon in 113 Doctor Who episodes, the longest running character, and friend of the podcast. Before getting to our topic today, we're going to talk today about the unofficial Doctor Who Annual 1972 and the Doctor Who Annual 1971 and kind of comparison to the two books. Um, they both came out almost 40 some odd years after each other, and uh, we'll give you a little information about that. But before we do that, uh, Doctor Who lost a great actor last week of this taping, um, Paul Darrow passed away on June 3rd. He was most known in Doctor Who for Doctor Who and the Silurians, and he played Captain Hawkins there, and of course in Time Lash. But he's best known as Kerr Avon in Blake 7. I was a big Blake 7 fan, and still am, so he will be missed. That's, uh, that was a shame. He got ill towards the end and, uh, and passed away. An aortic aneurysm, I believe it was what it was. <clears throat> so anyway... The Doctor Who unofficial 1972 annual was published just a few months ago. And I want to start by talking about Doctor Who annuals in general. And I'm going to give you some information uh, courtesy of the TARDIS library at timelash.com. Timelash.com is the best website if you're a collector of Doctor Who and you want to catalog everything you have. This is a free resource for Doctor Who collectors. Everything that's in print including recordings, uh, not every toy or anything like that. Uh, I, who knows where that might go, but at least for now, <clears throat> all the books are there, and I use it to catalog my uh, wish list and my want list. And he also posts a lot of um, links to things if they are for sale. So I definitely want to share that. Anyway, um, there have been five publishers involved with producing the Doctor Who Annual, which was a hardcover book. Um, it was published annually, hence the name, and they were actually connected to a lot of different TV shows. So they were either popular movies, pop stars, comic books. I mean, there was a there was a doctor there was an annual for Wurzel Gummidge. Um, there was an annual for Blake Seven, 
and I believe there was an annual for James Bond. So it's pretty cool. But um, And by the way, the, the authors and artists are usually not credited. So unless uh, some research, and there's further research to go on there with that, so the, uh, the artists will be there. Um, anyway, every year between 1965 and 1985, with the puzzling exception of 1971, the Manchester-based publisher World Distributors released a Doctor Who annual and four Doc Dalek annuals and one canine annual. Uh, then Marvel took it over in 1991, and between 91 and 95, they published five yearbooks, which were similar, but it kind of was aimed towards the maturing fan base rather than the kids. And then after the new series launched in 2005, Panini Press published a 2006 annual, and then up to 2009 published uh, the Doctor Who storybook in a similar fashion. In 2010, BBC Books, which is owned by Random House, took over and started producing the brilliant book of Doctor Who in a similar format to the above um, and, and all those other things. In Parallels, the Storybooks, the official 2000 annual by Penguin and current owners of BBC Children's Books have published their own range of Doctor Who annuals aimed at younger fans. Uh, the next annual to be produced is the 2020 annual. So a little bit of tip here, if you're collecting annuals, the year of the annual is the year before, or um, is actually the year after the series that they're writing on. So the 65 annual was from the 64 era. Uh, so if you get the 1970 annual expecting John Pertwee, it's actually the last Patrick Troughton annual. So the 1970 um, one annual actually is the John Pertwee annual. So that's the one we're going to talk about along with the unofficial Doctor Who 1972. So um, they don't always say the years on them. In 1982, it just says Doctor Who annual. Uh, the publication of 1981 is inside. So a lot of times it's confused for the 81 annual. So, you know, be sure you know exactly what you're looking for when, you, when you're searching for an annual year. Make sure you know which one you want. Um, there also have been other books published. I mentioned one of them in the, uh, actually a couple of them in previous episodes. I mentioned the Dalek book and the Invasion from Space, but there were other books too, like Dalek World, the Dalek Outer Space book, The Amazing World of Doctor Who, Adventures in Time and Space, and Journey Through Time. So a lot of the, the last three there that I mentioned were old annuals kind of put together. So anyway, let's start with the 1971 annual, which is a, has a pink cover and features John Pertwee and Carolyn John on the front covers uh, based on the popular TV series uh, by arrangement with BBC TV. And this annual is actually very rare and sought after. My copy is in okay condition. It's not perfect, but it's the binding is a little loose. Um, the corners are a little bent, um, but it is signed by Nicholas Courtney. <laughs> so it is very important to me. Um, there is a penciled signature. This was signed on, it uh, looks like 823.87 is when uh, Nicholas Courtney signed the book. And then it was sold subsequently sometime later for 70 pounds. I paid about $40 for this book um, in the early 90s. So it didn't, it didn't last long with its owner. But um, anyway, this was the sixth annual released by World Distributors, released in September of 1970. It was originally priced at 62 and a half pence, which is roughly a buck. <laughs> I'm, if I'm wrong, please let me know. 96 pages in hardback featuring the third doctor with Liz Shaw and Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. Um, there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight stories. 
Um, also had the features that we've talked about in previous annuals, including the Did You Know, um, there's puzzles, there's the rocket range, there's um, all kinds of things here. Test your space IQ, the space chase, flight from danger. A um, couple things uh, also about this particular annual is that the Doctor character is referred to as Doctor Who in the stories. The color the cover and internal illustrations were actually done by Ron Smethurst, who was a production manager at World Distributors. And if you're interested in seeing a really clear copy of this, just buy yourself the two um, the DVD um, of Inferno and the entire PDF of the Doctor Who Annual 71 is on that DVD. So that's pretty cool. Um, what is the annual worth? Well, as of as of right now, this taping, I was checking the usual places, eBay, Abe's Used Books. I was only able to find two, and the average price is about $340. Um, and that's in pretty good condition. Not in I've not seen one in better shape than the one I'm holding. Um, and I've seen some with the cover completely coming off, and they still want $200 for it. So if you want that pink annual you're going to pay for it. I'm not going to kid you around there. <laughs> that's, that's an important thing. So the one thing about the early Doctor Who annuals, you open up the front cover and there's a large um, span of artwork right in the inside front cover. And then there's like art, there's color art all the way through. It's, it's really quite nice. Um, and my particular copy, the puzzles are not filled in. And um, there's no writing inside the book, which is nice. Uh, the, the drawings are really nice. The game is in here, the flight from danger. Doctor Who has many adventures, but none so hazardous as this. The Time Lords have set a searcher, a mechanical tracker on his scent, and the Doctor must reach safety before it catches up with him. So, you know, these were a lot of fun. I'm sure I, if I had grown up during this, you know, I was very young in, in 1970, but... Uh, you know, having this would have been a lot of fun to get it right away. Um, so anyway, now to move on to the unofficial Doctor Who Annual 1972, uh, which, by the way, uh, is um, not uh, not authorized by BBC TV based on the popular series featuring John Pertwee and Katie Manning on the front cover. Um, when you open the book, there is no artwork on the front pages. Um, this was a non-for-profit publication, by the way. The official Facebook page is the unofficial Doctor Who annual. Uh, they're also going to be producing a 1987 annual, which should be fun. Um, all of the the color the cover illustration was by Mark Worgan. The editor was Mark Worgan, um, assisted by John Bowman, proofread by John Bowman, Richard Beavers, and Grant Bull. Um, and the page layouts, of course, by Mark Worgan, with special thanks to Marty Spilacy, Alex Moore, and Sherry Clark. Um, there are lots of stories. There are features in games. I'm going to walk you through it. Uh, there's a wonderful drawing of Katie Manning on the inside. And um, the copyright uh, dates in Roman numerals, but uh, <laughs> um, it looks like 19, uh, 1985, 2000, 2018. <laughs> so it's out a little late, but I, I was very excited this is a fan-produced, non-per-profit publication. No copyright infringement is intended. Um, it was printed in England. And very, very exciting. The first feature here is a foreword written by Katie Manning. Now, originally, I was going to have Katie Manning on the podcast, but she was very unavailable. You know, she's a full-time grandmother. And uh, she and I talk 
almost every day, actually, uh, we, we communicate. And uh, she said she's really busy and, and she gets a lot of requests for interviews, but she's going to try to squeeze me in. And when that does happen, I will play it in a future episode. So I encourage you to do that. Um, and then there's some really wonderful stories in here. Fangs for the Memories, um, a little feature on the many faces of Doctor Who, um, which the artwork, I mean, this book looks exactly like it came out in 1972. It, it compares to the original very well. I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, it's mint. This copy is in mint condition. Um, but there's also a, a tribute to, to Walt Howarth uh, by Wayne Howarth. And uh, it was pretty cool that, um, you know, I, I have a signed uh, print by Walt of the uh the second Troughton annual, which I, which I cherish. It hangs on my wall to my right. And, um, it's a really nice tribute to him here. He did a lot of the artwork for the early Doctor Who annuals, um, and more stories. I, I haven't seen any of the features, but this book has a lot of pages. There's a hundred and, um, let me flip to the back and get you an accurate count. Um, 185 pages. And, uh, it's a very, very well-written book. I've read through it. The Monster Makers, a little behind the scenes, some great color art, uh, some wonderful comics, um, some some really cool things in there. I'm just, I'm not going to give, there's how to draw a monster, you know, how to draw the, the demon from uh, the demons, which is pretty cool. There's, there's, oh gosh, this is just a very exciting book. Um, the question is, of course, is it collectible? Well, of course it is. Um, I, I was proud to buy this book and put it on my shelf in between the 71 and the 73 annuals. And now I have a complete set from 1965. So that is very exciting. Um, the official Doctor annual is um, a little bit more money than what they usually are. I'm not going to quote a price here because the price is in pounds sterling. So you can find out more uh, by going to the Facebook page for the unofficial Doctor Who annual 1972. I highly recommend it. Um, it is about... It's a little bit larger than the 1970 annual, but but pretty close in size to, you know, as far as what, what's published these days, the sizes are all um, different than what they did back then. And I think the two compare uh, very well. They look great together and it's a wonderful book. So I, I highly recommend the Doctor Who Annual 72. I'm going to dedicate another ep another few episodes to the different annuals from the Doctor's eras and talk about their value and things like that. But the probably the most the most rare Doctor Who annuals are this one, the pink one, 1971, and the Troughton, I believe it's the 1967 or say I'm sorry, the 68 annual, which is the one that Walt drew on my wall here, the, the one with the Cybermen coming in with Jamie being held by Patrick Troughton. I have not seen very many of those around. Um, the first Troughton annual I've seen quite a bit of. Um, the second Hartnell annual is a little bit scarce, uh, but I've seen those. The first Doctor annual, you can get that almost anywhere. There's a lot of those circulating. So, um, and then of course, all the Tom Baker ones are pretty much out there. The Davison ones, the Colin Baker couple that were out. But I'm excited for the 1987 unofficial annual that's coming out. I think that's going to be a great addition to this. And I certainly thank uh, our friends at the unofficial Doctor Who Annual 1972 for putting this book out. It certainly uh, gives me a great honor to do that. Okay, my, my last segment here is I want to talk a little bit about uh, Let the Buyer Beware. Oh. <laughs> um, a lot of English um, entrepreneurs, I want to say, 
are going to their local secondhand bookshops and paying one or two pounds for a Target book, turning around on Facebook and trying to sell it for a hundred or more dollars. And I think that's absolutely crazy. Um, there's a person on eBay right now trying to sell his entire Doctor Who classic hardback collection for 20,000 pounds. I found that on Facebook the other day and I said, wow, I don't think he's going to get any bids. And so far he has not. He, the first auction ended with no bids. The second chance is offered now, but apparently he's not budging on the price. Um, it's just not worth 20,000 pounds, which is what, thirty five, thirty six thousand dollars $36,000. I mean, that's an annual salary for the average person, uh, at least in my area. So <laughs> I, I just don't think that's worth it. But we will be talking about the WH Allen hardbacks and everything Doctor Who. So just be aware of what you're buying and, and make sure that the book's in good condition and, you know, what's what you want. And if you're willing to pay the money, then then all power to you. I have no problem saying, nope, sorry, that's too high. This is the highest I'm going. And if they say, well, it's only five more. I'm like, no, nope. that's when, you know, you know, like the like the gambler says, yeah, know when to walk away uh, and know when to run. So that's an important thing. So keep in mind out there and keep collecting Doctor Who. I started as a dealer, um, which made it easy to get things. Um, not always easy, but I'll talk about that too in a, in a future episode, the Bundles from Britain story. It's not a story that is well known and not a story that really is that exciting. It's just a, it's a, it's a historic, um, it was an adventure in, in retail that actually turned out to be the best thing that ever happened because um, the, the man I was a partner with actually, you know, stopped doing bundles from Britain and opened up another business and is still in Doctor Who in a big way. So and so it's a really important thing. Anyway, uh, that's that's the podcast for today. As far as uh, our audio on the way out, I'm going to uh, pay tribute to the late Paul Darrow with a scene from Doctor Who in the Silurians. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for our next episode. Captain Hawkins, sir. All right, Sergeant, search the place. Over, there's nothing there. It must be somewhere, sir. The door was bolted on the inside. All right, officer, we can manage. What happened? Well, give it a moment. She's just coming round. I saw it. Sir, over here, look. I want the whole area searched. The fields, art buildings, everywhere. Right, sir. Now, Liz. This thing. What did it look like? It was like a reptile. But it walked upright. Like a man. Watchdog to windmill one, two, three. 
misunderstood. Over and out. Any luck, Captain? Oh, I'm not quite sure, sir. The helicopter reports seeing a man standing by his car in the northwest sector of Area 2, sir. Well? Well, apparently he just waved and drove off. Well, probably another potholer. Well, yes, sir. Uh, there is something else. Yes? Well, a moment ago, I thought I heard a funny kind of a noise, sir. Well, what kind of noise? Well, rather like that sound we heard in the cave, sir. What direction did it come from? Well, that also came from the northwest sector of Area 2, sir. 